What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our fantasy baseball content is posted out from articles, podcasts, Twitter threads. It's all on those two accounts, at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. So please do go give those a follow when you guys have a minute. We're going to be doing our pretty standard show today. I know yesterday was a little bit different because we had our friend Marty Tallman on. And whenever there is a guest, the format does change a little bit. But we're going to revert back to our usual here. We'll look back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll go through the waiver wire. And we will also talk about a pitching matchup or two that will be taking place tonight that I think is probably worth watching more so than your average game. But we'll start it off with Max Scherzer. I think that he has earned that from yesterday. It was a shame. It was a real shame uh, following along with this one. I was poking my head in every now and again uh, for the first six innings anyway, and then you get that notification. I didn't have it on at the time. I had switched it. I was moving around different games. But you get that Jeff Passan notification that Max Scherzer is coming out of the game at 68 pitches uh, with six perfect innings under his belt. You understand it. It's it, it makes complete sense. He's missed the last couple of weeks. There's no need to push Max Scherzer right now. Uh, he missed earlier in the season a couple of months. He's not somebody that you really want to fool around with. We know what he can do. There's no need to go out there and prove anything. The Mets already, I mean, I think it was yesterday they officially clinched their playoff spot. So I completely understand them not pushing Max Scherzer here. It would not have made much sense to me if we had seen Scherzer keep going out there. I mean, maybe you could have pushed another inning or two innings, but there's no point. There's really no point. The Mets don't care about the regular season. They're in this for a title. And that that is the kind of thing that's going to help them win a title. Uh, so it doesn't help you so much for fantasy when they do that kind of thing. But his line, regardless, you got a victory, you got six innings, you got nine strikeouts. It was fantastic. He didn't walk a batter. It's, as, it's about as good as you could have hoped for. I know the perfect game would obviously have been very nice, but we've seen that this season. Managers prioritizing the team over the player. We saw it with Clayton Kershaw. I think it was Kershaw's first start of the season, actually, where he could have had the perfect game. It was, I don't even remember how many innings he'd thrown, six or seven or maybe even eight innings. And that's just kind of something we expect, but it still hurts. It still hurts when you see guys of that pedigree who, you know, Scherzer kind of should have had a perfect game already a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was, it was, yeah, he ended up with a no-hitter. It started off as a perfect game, and then I think it was Jose Tabata dropped his elbow down in front of the zone there and got hit by the pitch. I think this was when Scherzer was with the Nationals and cost him the perfect game. So obviously you would have liked to have seen him get the perfect game. From a fantasy point of view, still, you got you got great production. And heading into what is likely your championship Sunday this weekend, it will be Scherzer against the Athletics. So actually, I'm not sure if that's Saturday or Sunday, but the last start of your season, likely, uh, especially if this week is your championship week, will be about as <laughs> as good of an opportunity as you can find out there in terms of any pitcher, Scherzer against the Athletics. That'll probably be the overall like starting pitcher one for the week, uh, Max Scherzer. I know that's more of like a football term, and my brain's starting to shift into, into other sports here as we, we get football going and couple weeks or it's been a couple weeks I should say we're heading into week three now uh, and basketball coming in there's a lot of sports so we're gonna have to try and uh, keep the filters in our heads here properly but let's keep it going with Logan Gilbert because he was just about as good as Max Scherzer was in his own six innings 11 strikeouts one earned run one walk and four hits he did get the victory now in one of my leagues I actually left Logan Gilbert on the bench by accident so when I saw that it was like two or three innings in I had a small heart attack but that's why you pay attention this is what I've been preaching. You pay attention. You set your lineups. I'm a fool. I didn't do it. But 
Logan Gilbert for you in your lineups yesterday. That's about as good of a start to the week as you could have. If you had Scherzer and Logan Gilbert yesterday, because I'm sure there is there are combinations like that out there. Uh, it's not like they were both being drafted so high that you couldn't have them. Obviously, you can. Uh, then you got 12 innings, two victories, 20 strikeouts, one earned run. Uh, that I'd like to meet those people who had that combo because that's about as good as you're going to get there. Logan Gilbert, I think that we kind of looked at him a little bit uh, through some sour eyes for, I think it was maybe a month or so there where he was giving up three, four, five runs. And he had like a terrible stretch. We've talked about this on the show. There was two starts against Houston followed by two starts against the Yankees. And that really did not go well for him, specifically the Yankee starts. But he's really showed us over this last month what he's capable of. I mean, a 123 ERA for the season. It's at 313. He's got 13 victories. He's striking out close to a batter per inning, but it's been well over a batter per inning over this last month. I've had this conversation with a couple different people about the Mariners and where they rank. I mean, they are looking very, very nice for the next couple of seasons. But just how would they even rank those pitchers? How would they order them for a playoff series? I think is really interesting. Uh, you you could order them in any way, and you wouldn't really be wrong. Uh, Luis Castillo, I think, would probably get the first start of a playoff series. But if you told me you wanted to go with Logan Gilbert, I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eye. And same thing with Robbie Ray, and even George Kirby, who I think is probably not going to be the guy who would get the ball in Game One. But like that's uh, I, in terms of the teams going into the playoffs, that is about as solid of a core as you're going to find outside of the Mets. Uh, I. I I think that that's even can compete with the Mets a little bit. I mean, it's not going to be to the same degree. DeGrom and Scherzer is obviously crazy. But once you get to that third day, Chris Bassett, we saw him struggle last time out. I don't know if I'd have as much confidence going down the line into game three and four of a series with any team as I would with the Mariners. So Logan Gilbert turning it around, that has been that has been huge for the Mariners. It's been huge for fantasy managers, and especially ones who are not like me and actually put him in their lineups yesterday. That sucks, but I think I'll still be. I think I'll still be okay. It's too early to tell, but uh, if I lose by a couple strikeouts, uh, it'll be. I'll have no one to blame but myself. I do want to move on here, though. We'll talk about Ahmed Rosario because this guy has been. I mean, he had the O for four on Sunday, and that was whatever. You will. You'll absolutely take that considering the other stuff he's given you. So last Saturday, when they had their doubleheader against Minnesota, Ahmed Rosario was eight for thirteen. He had a home run. He drove in six, and he also stole a base. Now, yesterday, he was two for four. He scored three runs. He hit a homer. He knocked in three, and he stole two bases. He is the number three-ranked player over the last week, 11th over the last two weeks. Now, he's a guy who was probably not going to be a cut like a while, like I guess a few weeks ago, but you were seriously thinking about it. Like He hadn't been doing so much for you over the course of the season. The production was still there for you in Roto. But if you're talking head-to-head, there was a good couple weeks where I was seeing people talk about, people I respect on Twitter saying, Ahmed Rosario is probably a pretty safe cut. And there's one league where I kept him, and I'm very glad that I did. Like, this guy, he saved my season. Uh, he, he really did the other day in, in my home league with that 8-for-13. Like, six RBIs, a home run, and a steal. And then yesterday, to start off what is likely your championship week with a home run and two stolen bases, it's, it's about as good as you could have hoped for. He's 82% rostered. At this point of the season, the roster percentages are not going to fluctuate so, so much. There's going to be, we're going to still go through the waiver wire in a minute and we'll talk about some of the ads and some of the drops. It's not going to change so, so much. People are starting to zone out. We talked about it yesterday with Marty, how like Gunnar Henderson had actually gone down like 5% over a period of time where he was actually producing. It's a really weird time of year to be trying to make your fantasy decisions, especially if you're looking to the masses 
to see, you know, what, what's the general consensus in the community on player, whoever, while the community's kind of not really at their peak level of concentration, I guess I would say. So it's not always going to do you so much good this time of year to look at the ads and the drops. We're still going to do it, but it's not always going to necessarily tell you who you should and who you shouldn't be adding just because people are already playing fantasy football and whatnot. So that Ahmed Rosario, 82%, it should be higher. It should definitely be higher, but people are kind of not really paying attention anymore. Their seasons are done or whatever. So take a look on your waiver wire. If he's there, then I would absolutely be going and adding him. John Birdie is another guy I do want to talk about because he's a little bit more of an interesting case. He had a similar line yesterday. He hit uh, two, he had two singles, a home run. He scored twice. He drove in two, and he also stole two bases. John Birdie home runs, very rare stuff. Only his second of the season. The steals are not even consistent anymore with John Birdie. That's the thing. He had two yesterday. Before that, it was about a week, uh, and he had two. And then it was about a week, and he had one. And it's, they're not really there like they were at the beginning of the season. And he's not really somebody that I could go out there and say, you should be adding up John Birdie for this last stretch because I, I just don't think that he can really sustain it. I mean, he, he is capable of it. He can sustain it. But it's a pretty risky ad. If you're just looking for speed, I would go Bubba Thompson. I think that he has, at this point of the season, he's in much more of a stealing groove. Uh, he has six over his last two weeks. Granted, only one over the last week. But I think that there is more hope there that he can actually continuously steal bases every single day or every other day. Where with John Birdie, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I think I have more faith uh, in Bubba Thompson. I do want to move on and talk about some of our most added and dropped players today. The number one ad is Adrian Sampson. I think it makes a little bit of sense. He's coming off a couple of good outings, and he does have a good opponent here against Miami. We're not looking at the greatest day for streamers. We're really not. There's a couple of guys we'll get into who are probably okay, serviceable, slash likely already rostered, so it's we're probably not going to get them. Um, in terms of guys that you can probably get your hands on still, Adrian Sampson would probably be the dude. Uh, the next guy who's being added up a little bit is Brian Bello, or Bayo, actually. It's Brian Bayo. Uh, he's coming off of a really good start against the Yankees, and there was a good start against Texas. The only problem is he's sandwiched in a bit of a stinker there against the Orioles. His ERA for the season is 5.10, but over the last month, it's 2.84. He is another kind of risky option here, especially facing Cincinnati in Cincinnati. So, I'm not going to be in such a hurry to go and add Bayo. I think that maybe some deeper leagues, he can give you some strikeouts if you're looking for that specifically. But we're pretty early in the week here still. I don't know that he's going to cut it against Cincinnati. The next guy who I think <clears throat> he really does cut it is Nick Lodolo. And Nick Lodolo I've talked about for a good while on the show. Specifically, we talked with Marty yesterday. We've talked over the last few weeks about his crazy high strikeout numbers. Now, he's not playing the greatest teams. Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Colorado, those are not the greatest teams. But if you need strikeouts, if you need to eat up some innings, Nick Lodolo is definitely your guy. Uh, that combination this week of Boston and Milwaukee, the counting stats, like he could give you 20 strikeouts. I don't think he will. I think he'll probably simmer down a little bit, maybe give you 15 or something like that. But he, could, he can give you like 7 and 8 or you know, it's some kind of combination there that'll probably equal in the 15 to 17 range, a good chance for one victory. I think you're, you're pushing your luck if you're hoping for two, but I think you can probably get one victory between these two games. Nick Lodolo is 57% rostered, so he's not going to be the easiest guy to get your hands on. But if you can, uh, he's definitely somebody that I'd be taking a look at above all else today. He's the number one streamer for today. The only problem is 57%. So if he's taken up, then you're probably looking at Samson as your best guy, but I would do what you can to try and uh, get Nick Lodolo on your roster. 
The next guy being added up is Luis Renjifo, and he's actually been pretty solid for you now, going back for uh, more than a month. Over this last, let's just take a look at the last month, 106 at-bats, 6 homers, 13 ribbies. He's batting 283 with a steal. That's pretty okay. Uh, over the last week, he has four home runs. There's been two multi-home run games, and his eligibility is really sweet. Second, third, short, and in the outfield. So uh, I think that he, he'll do for the next week or so. I don't know about how I'm going to be investing in him next year. I haven't really looked so deep uh, into next year, putting together rankings or anything like that. I'm not sure where I'd fit him, but for the time being, while he is producing here, we only need another week or so. So Luis Rangifo is probably someone that I would be pretty interested in. In terms of all of our guys that we're seeing added up today, in terms of bats, he would be the dude that would pique my interest the most. Uh, the next guy that we are seeing added, Michael Grove. He started in the first game of the doubleheader against the Diamondbacks, and he's a fine option, decent chance that he will be able to get a victory. His last two outings, uh, five innings and four and two-thirds. So he can go uh, long enough in the game where he would qualify for a victory. He can give you some all-right strikeouts, and the opponent is not the greatest in Arizona. So Michael Grove is probably a decent option, but I would say more so uh, in a deeper league. This time of year, you, you want to put your faith in people, but at the same time, like, Almost 4,000 or 3,500 teams right now on Yahoo have added up Grove. There's a very good chance that someone like that could have a blow-up game. He's not somebody who's established. I mean, it can happen with anybody. We saw it, like I mentioned, Chris Bassett earlier last week. The guy had a, a really bad game, and it happens. And sometimes it just it, it could screw you over. When you're adding in these kind of fringier guys who are, I mean, he's 4% owned. He's not somebody who is a popular pickup, per se. It just makes me very nervous this time of year to put your faith into these relative unknowns after the entire year of all the work that you did. You're setting your lineups, making your pickups, your fab, waivers, whatever, however you're doing it. You've put a lot of effort into it this year, and you probably have a decent little pitching staff. Most teams have three, four, five pretty solid pitching arms uh, by the end of the season. If you're adding him in, make sure that it's necessary, not just, uh, oh, it's a Dodgers starter. It's I like the matchup. Let's add him. Like, Try and really plan out specifically. I mean, you should try and do this throughout the season, but I understand that it's it's harder to do so. During these last couple weeks, try and plan out. Okay, I have. Like, a, like I mentioned, Nick Lodolo. He's starting twice. So let's forecast him for 12 innings, 15 strikeouts, one win, and, I don't know, a 3-5 ERA. Just try and roughly do that. And now with the ratios, it's a little bit more of a crapshoot. But specifically with your strikeouts and your win potentials, try and get a gauge of, okay, I think I'm going to have 80 strikeouts this week. And I think that there's a pretty good chance I can get three, four victories. Whereas my opponent, it looks like he has a pretty good chance at six, seven victories and 110 strikeouts. You know, in that kind of situation, yes, you go and you add up a player or two or three or whatever it is. You you evaluate everything very individually. You can't say you do this regardless of situation. No, you have to really look at your opponent's pitchers, your own pitchers. Uh, lineups is the same thing. I mean, it's it's a it's very hard to predict in fantasy baseball, but you have to kind of have a rough idea of who your guys are for the week, who they're starting against. You know, I have Shane McClanahan going tonight in a couple of leagues against Houston. So wherever I'm thinking he's going to do, I should probably like taper the expectations back by an inning and a couple of strikeouts or whatever it is. You always have to try and have a rough idea when you are adding up these players, especially these fringe ones, about what kind of production you're really going to get from them. Before you, you think, okay, should I actually hit the ad? Am I going to drop somebody who's, I mean, the drop isn't really as important at that point. It's, I'm going to be putting this production in my lineup when there's, I don't know, maybe 70, 80 total games that my guys are going to play in the whole week. 
is this really somebody that I that I want to be one of them? And with Mitch Grove, I think he's more of a deeper league guy, or not Mitch Grove, excuse me, Michael Grove. I think it is definitely more of a deeper league situation where 15 team leagues, you'd probably take the chance in a 12. I think you're really, really playing with fire. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about Kyle Freeland. Speaking of playing with fire, he's coming off a really good start against the White Sox. Actually, a couple of good starts in a row, really. Chicago, Milwaukee, Cincinnati. He's done pretty well in all three of them. Now, he's at home tonight against San Francisco, and I I do not like that at all, Kyle Freeland. He's been pretty good these last, I mean, really the last month. He's a two seven three ERA. The last two weeks, it's below one for his last couple starts. But, I mean, we d- <clears throat> we just had this conversation a second ago about who you're putting your faith in this time of season. Kyle Freeland in a start at Coors Field. It's, it's you know, I, I'm never going to suggest that. Really, throughout the season, there might have been once or twice where Freeland had a really good matchup, especially away from home, where I would have said, yeah, okay, go and add him. It's it's not a big deal today. But at this point of the season, I, I wouldn't be able to put my head on the pillow and say, you know, I did... I, I did my best in terms of advice today if I said Kyle Freeland is somebody that would be adding. He's just he's just really not going to cut it for me. I do want to talk about Ross Stripling for a second, though. He's probably already grabbed up at 68% rostered, but he does have the two-step. And 68 is, you know, it's pretty far off the pace in terms of your must roster. Typically, you see in the 80s or so. So there's probably some leagues where you can still get him, whether it be 10s, whether it be 12s, whether it be 15s. You can probably still find him in a few places. So... He's got that two-step. It's going to be Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Obviously, there's some risk there. Citizens Bank Park can be a little tricky. But Ross Stripling, the way he has performed the second half, the entire season, really, in his 120 innings, he's a sub-3 ERA, a sub-1 whip. He's been a dream come true for fantasy managers for the Blue Jays. Go and add him up if you can. I mean, he's a little bit more risky uh, because of that Philadelphia start, but you get the two. You get a pretty good chance for at least one victory there. Ross Stripling has been going fairly deep into games. His strikeouts, I mean, the last two games, only four and four, uh, respectively. But we have seen him hit seven, uh, six, seven consistently for the second half of the season in particular. So there is some risk with him, but you do get a little bit of a boost in your counting stats, and he has been great. So I'm not so concerned about an ad of Ross Stripling there. Uh, Austin Voth, he's one who's probably a pretty decent option. He gets Detroit tonight. He goes to get Houston later in the week, so a two-step for him is probably a little bit too risky. But he's been pretty solid here over this last month, 20 innings, 16 strikeouts, a 2-7 ERA, and he has two victories. He's not going to blow you away, but if you're really in a deep league, and like we were talking about, if you did your calculations and you're taking a look at what you're roughly expecting and your opponent is expected to do, I don't know, let's say he has... 20 more strikeouts, you think, and three more victories. And I know when I'm saying this, like, it's such a crapshoot, right? But just a general idea, if you think your opponent is going to have a lot more strikeouts, you need to have, you know, slightly lower your ratios a little bit. I think both is a pretty good option to start tonight. Not necessarily that I'd hold him and start him for the two-step because Houston is probably not going to go very well, if we're being honest here. But I think tonight against Detroit, he's a pretty decent option. Uh, One last pitcher I will talk about. He's likely already rostered. But Patrick Sandoval, we've seen him be extremely consistent now going back to the end of July. It was the last time he really had a bad start was against Atlanta on July 23rd. Since then, it's been pretty smooth sailing. The strikeouts go up and down a bit for him. He can give you three. He can give you 10. But as a whole, he's given you a 299 ERA, a 135 whip. He's, he's doing a very good job, and he's facing Texas tonight. 69% rostered. He's probably already owned in your league, but take a look. Maybe you're in a 10-teamer, and he's somebody that you can 
hypothetically stream in. He would be someone who I would be pretty interested in. He's been pretty good recently, and he doesn't really get the credit for it. Let's get into the drops now, and we have a very tough one off the bat here. Wade Miley. So Wade Miley, I had added up in a couple of leagues. We talked with Marty yesterday about him being one of those guys who is a little bit risky, but the matchups should be good enough where you'd want to pick him up. I picked him up, first of all, last week, expecting him to get a start over the weekend. It got pushed back, which I was not thrilled about, but I thought, you know, he's going to get these two starts this week. It's going to be okay. He's going to be pretty damn good. We're going to do, you know, and then I checked in in like the second inning. When when did this happen? The I was the third inning actually, and he gave up seven runs. Now the, the saving grace here, the silver lining, is that only three of them were earned. So your your week is not completely. Your season is not necessarily over there. Three runs in three innings. It's not ideal, but it's not going to sink you. If they had been earned, uh, my God, then we would be really in a dark place today on the pod. But they were not. So three earned runs in three innings. You'll take it. I understand the drop. It's it's Wade Miley. We had to kind of have low expectations going in. Now, the, the only reason really was the matchups. The matchups are just unbelievable, Miami and Pittsburgh. And I still think that you could probably hold him for that Pittsburgh start, and you wouldn't get necessarily killed for it. Now, it's it's tricky. He did not do well yesterday, but he did pretty well in the two beforehand. Decent strikeout numbers. Pittsburgh is awful. Now, Miami is also awful, so it's, it's a crapshoot. Like I've said a bunch of times today, at this point of the season, we're essentially just rolling the dice and hoping for the best. But Wade Miley against Pittsburgh that day, when we do get to that day, well, I think that'll be on the weekend. There won't be a pod that day. But you go through those matchups, he'll probably be one of, if not the best, options available. So I understand dropping him, but I would also fully understand holding on to him as well. Uh, Tyler Wells, he did not have a great day yesterday. Five runs in three innings or three-plus innings against the Tigers. He's a drop, no question. He is a drop. His next start will be against uh, the Astros this week. So, yeah, you added him up for the Detroit one. That was all you were really adding him for. And now you got to let him go. Now, here we're going to get into a bit of a tough one, and it's Sonny Gray. He was removed for Monday's start with uh, right hamstring tightness. Not good stuff. He went two innings. Uh, he struck out one batter. It's not good. It's really not good for Sonny Gray. Now, he's hoping to make his next start, I think. It says it's unclear whether he'll make his next start, which is Saturday against the Angels. People are starting to cut him. 2,700 teams got ahead of the curve. I understand that. I think that it makes sense to be cutting him. But, again, if you have the luxury of waiting, maybe you you know you got some really strong pitchers going throughout the week, you don't need to necessarily make a move right away. Then I'd probably hold him and just see because it's hamstring tightness. Something you know, it's not like it's a shoulder or his elbow. It's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world either. So I would probably hold on if you have the luxury to do so. Jose Suarez is the next guy we'll get into, and it was not a great time for him yesterday. Five runs over five innings against the Mariners. He struck out four. It wasn't good, and he got an equally as tough matchup coming up this weekend against the Twins. So he's someone where I'm probably a little bit more inclined to be dropping him. It's been a couple of not great ones in a row following what was a really strong three or four start stretch. But Jose Suarez at this point, I think you'd be pretty justified in letting him go. Edward Cabrera is the next guy being dropped. He's someone I would probably hold on to. Now, his next start is against Washington. Yesterday, he was pretty good. He gave up three runs in five innings. He got the victory. The problem with Edward Cabrera is his control. So he had three walks 
last night. He has 33 walks in 65 innings. He also hit two batters yesterday. That's the one thing where it worries you a little bit. But against Washington, I'm, I'm not that worried. I think that you're pretty damn safe to be starting him there. If you're not going to start him there, then you should be dropping him, obviously. But that's about as good of a matchup as we're going to see this time of the season. Edward Cabrera, he's, damn, he's pretty damn good. Now, is he as good as a 291 ERA? Maybe not quite yet, and he needs to work on that control. But he's going to be an excellent pitcher, and Washington is about as safe of a matchup as you're probably going to find there. Last guy we will talk about today is Trevor Rogers. Now, he has been shut down for the rest of the season with a lat strain. It's unfortunate he started to turn his season around a little bit over those three starts, and people will probably be buying in again next season. I'm not even sure where I'll sit on Trevor Rogers. I need to go into more of a, a deeper look, a deeper evaluation here and see. But right now, he's still up at 51% rostered, which is just brutal. Uh, I would be going ahead and dropping him. I do want to just quickly, actually, while I'm thinking about it, how many people still own Walker Bueller? 47% of leagues. <sighs> That's disappointing. That's really disappointing. Uh, whether it's because people are just not playing or they don't care or they see the name and they think, oh, it's Walker Bueller. And, you know, they don't realize the guy, Tommy John, he's not coming back. Uh, man, I'm going to check Mondesi real quick before I let you guys go and just to see if people are still holding on to Alberto Mondesi. 26% of leagues. Oh, my God. What are we doing here? What are we doing? doing here maybe i need to just play more uh in the nfbc next season and play more high stakes because people are not gonna be doing that kind of shit necessarily i know there's still some crazy shit you see in those leagues but that is bonkers anyway guys i will leave it at that i hope you guys have the best of luck this week i know that i mean it was a bit of a hit or miss night maybe you had miley maybe you had scherzer uh i mean i had a pretty decent night in my leagues but uh this time of year you need everybody to be performing, so I hope that you guys get that out of your guys. I hope that you're able to come away with your checks, your banners that you can fly forever, and the bragging rights uh, over your friends and league mates. So hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where I post out content, where Sports Ethos posts out uh, all of our content. And also go ahead, check out the SportsEthos.com website. Get yourself a fantasy pass. The basketball season is going to be coming into play I think we're inside of a month now. I think we are 28, 29 days. Dan Bespris is doing a countdown over on Twitter, which is very cool, counting down how many days left. I think we're at 29. You get the fantasy pass, though. You get ready for your drafts. You also get football content where you get articles and rankings and all that different stuff from JP and our football team, as well as all the great base, our basketball stuff. And next year, it'll include baseball, too. So something to keep in mind, guys. Rate, review, download, subscribe, and we will see you guys again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.